Welcome to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience The Good Life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome to The Good Life, encouraging you with inspirational stories to share with family and friends. How does God shape the voices that narrate some of the most important moments of our lives? On the ice, on the gridiron, on the diamond, on the mat, in the pool. The play-by-play announcers whose voices develop excitement while informing fans. All at the same time. David Korzanowski possesses one of those captivating voices with training and experiences that forecast prominence. As Daniel in chapter 6 verse 3 became distinguished above all others because of his spirit of excellence, so is David Korzanowski. We pause here as we typically do at the beginning of our show to remind you the reason we have the Good Life program is to lead you, dear friend, closer and closer to Jesus Christ, to let you know that Jesus makes a difference in the lives of people. I'm talking about the love of Christ so strong that he died on the cross for your sins and mine. He was buried, yes, but three days later he rose again from the grave, offering God's hope. David Korzanowski is a play-by-play broadcaster in the Northeast in the spring and summer David serves as Broadcasting and Media Relations Assistant for the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, a AA affiliate of the Toronto Blue Jays. In the fall, he is radio play-by-play voice for Brown University football in Providence. In the winter, he serves in the same capacity for the Bears men's basketball team. David graduated from the University of Notre Dame and Northwestern University. David, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me. That was uh, quite the intro and excited to get into it with you today. Thanks again. Where did you grow up? So I'm from just outside of Boston. I grew up in Sudbury, Massachusetts um, with my younger sister, Mary, and my two parents, Claire and Paul. So uh, grew up a Boston sports fan and, and that uh, helped inspire my, my passion and my career. We got we got to get into that. <laughs> Who influenced you most in your growing up years? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think it's my family in general. I mean, my mom um, was the primary teacher of the Catholic faith to me, um, so she has always been in my corner and and teaching me there. My dad uh, had a huge passion for sports and for coaching, so I learned some of my work ethic and love of sports from from my dad, Paul. Um, those are a couple, and as I worked in and grew more into this career of, of play-by-play and sports broadcasting, um, I've had some great mentors and bosses along the way um, that have helped me along, too. Describe for us. You mentioned your mom helping to, to frame your Catholic faith. Describe for us your faith journey, David, and, and relationship with Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. So I was... Uh, I have been raised Roman Catholic. Um, I was baptized soon after I was born, um, and I went to CCD. I, I had the you know uh, 
Catholic education from from a young age there, and then I went to uh, private school, a a Catholic high school just outside of Boston, St. Sebastian's, um, and my faith really developed there as well. Uh, all guys Catholic high school, so we would have mass uh, once a month at the beginning of the month, every first Friday. We would have mass on holy days, and we had uh, religion and theology classes in middle school and high school as well. Now, I will say, soon after I got confirmed, ironically, I, I kind of had a uh, a period away from the faith a bit more where I was questioning. I was uh, a little bit turned off with the faith, I guess you could say, but I really found it again, and I would say found it in a deeper way individually when I went off to college at the University of Notre Dame. Um, the end of high school into early college, I... I didn't feel that draw to Mass or to Jesus as much as I did earlier on, uh, but then started going back to dorm Mass while in college, and uh, my faith has just gotten stronger, I would say, since since my college years. You mentioned that that wrinkle yeah. in the journey. Yeah. What was it that you were questioning? What turned you off? Yeah. There were there were a few things. I mean, my my reason— and I'm not saying it was a good one, but my reason at first, and I talked to my mom and parents about this, was when I went to Mass, I I wouldn't feel anything. I would kind of zone out. I would be in my own, my own world and my own train of thought. And Mass had been something that I'd been doing for so long that I think I, I reached a point of, well, I'm not sure about this. I don't feel this in the same way that I did. And then you get that sort of um, independence or period of questioning when you grow up as well, where you start to question what was taught to you as a as a child or when you were growing up in, in your teenage years, and you might think that you know better. I know that a lot of my friends maybe can resonate with, with what I'm saying, but I think the more I, I prayed and went through my life, I realized that you need that foundation. You need God. You need that why in your life, because if you're looking around for it in the world, whether it's money or career or status, um, you're not going to find it. That's going to leave you pretty empty. So I found that in those few years where I wasn't going to Mass and wasn't praying and thought that I knew better was it wasn't leading me to a path of fulfillment or happiness um, or grace, really. And I think I, I felt that pull back, and I'm thankful to my friends and, and mentors and people that I had in my life in college as well. You talked about dorm mass yeah. at Notre Dame, your friends, mentors. What happened? What brought you in? Well, I think first it was just the, the small invitations from friends and from people around the dorm. So for those who might not be familiar with the setup at Notre Dame, um, single-sex dorms, so they have guys' dorms, girls' dorms, and for a lot of the guys' dorms, they have rectors who, not all of them are priests, but a, a good amount of them are priests. So our rector in my dorm, O'Neill Hall, was Father Chris Rehagen, and he was always just a great example around the dorm. And he wasn't always telling everyone to come to Mass, but he was just a leader and a presence and really uh, was living with that sort of light and love of Christ um, in the dorm. And then there were a couple times where their dorm mass was every Sunday night, and a lot of my friends would go. So there would be a few times that my friends were the ones, not even explicitly or 
um, directly asking me to go to mass, their example led me back to mass. And when I, to circle back to a previous answer, when I went away from the faith, I said that I didn't feel much when I was at mass. And I think some of that might've been the masses that I was going to. It was families or older couples, and it wasn't as many young people. Dorm masses were all young men my age, and I did start to feel something, whether it was, you know, you get the shivers during a song or a certain homily really speaks to you. Um, I felt that in that period of early college, and then the more I went, the more I wanted to go back, the more I understood the importance of the faith on my own, um, and it's kind of deepened from there. When you think of Christ, what do you feel? Well, the first thing that I always think of when I think of Jesus is his mercy because I I am flawed. Everyone around us is flawed, right? You can go through an hour in your day and uh, have a lot of frustrations with people or situations around you. We are all flawed. For me, when I think of Jesus, I think of his mercy and his forgiveness and the fact that he always, he loves everyone. He always is inviting you back. He's always, he always wants you to be closer to him. So I think I understand and recognize that mercy, and the mercy is the way that I feel his love. In what ways, David, does your faith influence your career in broadcasting? I think the biggest thing that my faith teaches me is the importance of balance and the importance of perspective because without prayer and without faith it's very easy for your career to be the number one objective in your life and the thing that is driving you through every day oh i need this promotion oh i want this job oh i want this next step but when i'm at my most when i'm most at peace is when i'm praying when I'm in tune with God and with Jesus and with what everything he wants from me. And it takes a little bit of that pressure off the career and it helps me realize, yes, the career is how I live in Christ. It's how I use the gifts that he's given me. It's not the why, which is driving my entire life. So I would say that that's the balance. David Korsanowski talks about gifts, gifts that God has given him i mean just listen to the voice i mean it's the voice the voice of david korzanowski you can find out more about him at davidkorzanowski.com when we come back he'll share more we'll talk we try to go heart to heart here at the good life program why well it's heart to heart with not only with each other but heart to heart with you dear friend and really it's heart to heart with with you and with us, and us with God. I believe God has a word, God has a message, God has a, a soothing way with you through David Korzanowski today. So stay with us, we'll be right back. Wandering the road of desperate life, famously beneath the barren sky. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. 
The Good Life with Dr. Danny is brought to you by generous sponsors. Thank you to Coach Dino Babers and Mrs. Susan Babers, Mr. Edmund Jung and Mrs. May Jung, Mr. Rodney Arias Sr., A1A Electrician, Cedar Assembly of God, and the Thursday Men's Breakfast, Boston. If you, your business, or your church would like to support The Good Life with Dr. Danny, please visit drdanny.live. Join our partnership team. That's drdanny.live. Thank you. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. David Korsanowski has broadcast 18 sports and over 400 events in his career, including the NCAA Women's Lacrosse Elite Eight and the MAC Gymnastics Championships. He broadcasts Notre Dame Hockey on NBCSN and Peacock. He conducted Notre Dame football head coach Marcus Freeman's first interview. He joins us today, David Korsanowski. You can find out more about him at davidkorsanowski.com. Look, if you're tuning in right now or caught the tail end of the last segment, hey, this program is available for you. It's a podcast. Go to drdanny.live. And again, davidkorsanowski.com. David, when did you first experience the inspiration to become a broadcaster? The first moment that I thought about it was when I was either 12 or 13, I had a subscription to Sports Illustrated, but the kids' version. So it was some lighter journalism, some cartoons mixed in there uh, to get kids reading at a younger age, some, some sports media, some sports content. And I was flipping through, and one of the ads was for a play-by-play sports broadcasting camp. And it was based out of Philadelphia, but they had a week-long camp in Boston. So I ran into my parents' room and had the page open, showed it to my dad. I was like, can I please go to this camp? And he was all for it. He was like, yeah, you you seem really excited about it. Sure. And I went to that camp for the first time summer of 2011, maybe, summer of 2011 or 2012. And it was awesome. We got to practice working in front of a camera. We got to practice doing a live interview, doing play-by-play, and I, I absolutely loved it. I did more student announcements when I was in high school as well to work on public speaking. I went to that camp every year until I was applying to colleges, and then sports broadcasting became one of the, one of the pillars that was guiding my college search. So the first time I would say was, was that you know, age of 13, where I saw the ad in Sports Illustrated Kids and, and kind of went from there. Was there a time during those successive years at the camp that you hit a tipping point and said, this, this really is for me. I'm going all in. I think, it was, I think it was that last year where I was applying to colleges. I had turned 18, so I was one of the older campers at that sports broadcasting camp because it's about it's about from ages 12 or 13 up until 18 years old and you can work as a counselor as well those are some people who might be college students making some money as a counselor in their in their summers between college years and I think it was that last year where 
I was looking at colleges that had broadcast journalism for a major. I was asking a lot of schools, hey, do you have play-by-play opportunities for, for young students? And I had some just great experiences at the camp that week. I, I felt like I'd gotten so much better over the course of the years that I'd been going to the same camp. And I think that that was my tipping point was around the age of 18 where I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this. And I, I, I haven't really hopped off the track, so I've been following it ever since. Some may have a desire to play a certain sport. Some may have a dream to be an NBA ba- basketball player, but they're 5'2". Right. Some might want to be a broadcaster, but their their voice might not have the deep, resounding tone that yours has. Sure. How did you discover and develop your voice? It's funny you ask that because let's rewind to the first summer I went to the play-by-play camp. My voice was like Alvin and the Alvin and the Chipmunks. It was so high. It was it was by no means a broadcaster's voice, and I had no idea if it would you know, drop to this low. And I'm, I guess I'm lucky that it did. But with that said, I've also had some great exercises and coaches uh, who've helped me work on my voice as well. There are a lot of great resources that are available online. Um, the biggest tip that I would say is what's called diaphragmatic breathing. So the, the way that you're going to breathe normally is through your lungs. And that's kind of how you're pushing your voice out of your throat. But if you breathe from deeper into your diaphragm, which is almost the top of your stomach, you're going to project your voice a lot better and longer. And there are times where I have to work on that before I go on to air or during a broadcast, during commercial breaks, just work on my breathing to improve my voice as well. What I will say too is everyone's voice is different and you don't need you know, the the deep baritone voice to be a good broadcaster. There are plenty who have different voices or what you might think are higher voices or squeaky voices or, you know, a little bit more pitchy, and they're still very good broadcasters, and they can use the voice as a tool and almost an instrument. So what I would say, too, is don't don't envision a voice that you need or picture a voice that you need and, and be hard on your voice otherwise. Um, because there's a lot of beauty in in the in your voice as it is. See, David, you just gave our listener right now. You gave him. You gave her hope. Right. And there is hope. Yeah, absolutely. Who have been your role models in broadcasting? So the number one role model who jumps to my mind, and I've never met him in person or had a conversation with him, but it's Dick Vitale, and he is a color commentator. Um, some of the listeners may know him. If you haven't, be sure to look him up. Um, Vital, V-I-T-A-L-E. And he is a color commentator, which means he's more of an, an, in an analysis role, and he mainly works on college basketball. And he has been doing it for, I want to say, close to 50 years at ESPN. And the reason he's a role model for me is the joy that he brings to his job. Because no one has more fun broadcasting than Dick Vitale. And I think that at their best, sports are competitive, yes, but they bring joy to people, to players, to coaches, and to fan bases. And I don't think anyone exudes that joy and love for what they're doing better than Dick Vitale. So he's, he's probably number one on my list. Let's go a little further here. 
Because the joy that he exudes, when you mentioned his name, I thought of antics. Right. Because he's not just behind a mic. I right. mean, you, you've got to see him yeah. as well as hear him. There is something that emanates from his being as he, as he broadcasts. Absolutely. There's an authenticity to it, though. Yes. So here is the, is there a shade of difference between mimicry, just following him, I'm moving the way he moves, right. and the true joy? I think the short answer is yes. I think that there are some broadcasters who try to put on a shtick or an act, if you will, to be more entertaining. But what it really comes down to is just being genuine. If you are who you are, on and off the air, you will be better when you're broadcasting because you're not trying to be someone else. You're confident in who you are. You're exuding that through how you speak and also uh, how you appear on camera. And it's going, viewers are smarter than you think and listeners are smarter than you think where they can tell if someone is full of it for lack of a better term, right? Or if someone is um, trying to be someone that they're not. Dick Vitale is someone who I just, I think that's how he is, right? Whenever you just take a video of him or see him going about his daily life, he has that same joy and energy. And he's a very faithful guy as well. Um, he's Catholic and, and um, loves Jesus and, and is outspoken about his faith too. So I think it's, it's about being sure of yourself and communicating that through the air and being unapologetic without being over the top or obnoxious. What are some of your most memorable experiences? So you mentioned it coming back from the commercial break, but the interview that I did with head coach Marcus Freeman of Notre Dame football uh, last January was a career highlight so far. So Notre Dame's head football coach, Brian Kelly, left for LSU uh, basically last minute, and a lot of people at Notre Dame were really confused, didn't know who the next football coach was going to be, and they basically promoted their defensive coordinator, who was only 35 years old, and they promoted him while I was out there working on a hockey game. So our producer was able to work with the Notre Dame Athletics Department and get him for an interview during that hockey game that I called, and I was luckily, and I'm so thankful for this opportunity, but I was able to give him his first interview after he had been named head coach at Notre Dame. So uh, obviously a team that has a huge fan base and following and to be able to get that opportunity to talk to a young coach um, after one of you know the biggest moments of his life was, was a fantastic uh, opportunity. Did you learn anything from that? I did. I learned uh, a couple things. So I learned about high pressure interviews where you're uh, a little bit more it's it's an important it's an important moment so I, I learned how to prepare my questions and also listen while he was speaking and also just from him I learned a lot about how to lead and how to conduct yourself I think that Marcus Freeman has a presence about him and he actually recently converted um, to Christianity and Catholicism as well but he's a father of six, uh, married and working at the University of Notre Dame and, and treating everyone with respect. So I think learning from him and his demeanor on air, combined with sort of the learning experience that I had, being able to interview him, those were a few of the, the things that I learned. You asked him a pivotal question 
about Ohio State yeah, it did. and Notre Dame, where his allegiance allegiances were. Yes. When you asked it, what were you expecting? So I I wanted to leave that question for last because I thought it was kind of a funny and lighthearted moment uh, to end the interview with after I'd asked him some serious questions about getting the job and what it meant to him. And Notre Dame coincidentally was playing Ohio State that night in hockey. So Marcus Freeman was at the game and I said, well, you're a graduate and of Ohio the State. Notre Dame. Right. He he's was wearing, wearing the Notre, Notre Dame, Dame jersey. jersey. And we were able to flash a picture of him in his football jersey from Ohio State. So I said, uh, I think we have a picture of you here from Ohio State. And they flashed it up. And I said, uh, we know you're a graduate of Ohio State. Do you have any torn allegiances here tonight? Or are you all in for Notre Dame? Now, when I when I left it like that, or are you all in for Notre Dame, I basically left it on a platter for him as well because he was able to say, well, yes, I'm all in for Notre Dame. I'm the head football coach here. Um, so I didn't think I was asking anything too delicate. I knew that I I would uh, would get a favorable answer one way or another. So I uh, I hoped that he would enjoy the question, and he definitely smiled and, and went along with it well. You're listening to David Korzanowski. Find out more. Get in touch with him. DavidKorzanowski.com. Not very many people have the opportunity, well, for one, just to interview a college football coach yeah. like Notre Dame. Some would say, well, Danny, there is only one Notre Dame. So that, that, th- there you are. But then the first interview of a coach having been given that post, well, David, you had the opportunity to do that. There is something about the moment, something about being ready for the moment. Some may be given an opportunity in life. Others may, for one reason or another, recoil from that. In the recoiling instinct, how does one overcome that? Maybe we can touch a little bit on that, David, when we come back. There are other questions I'm prepared to share with you and to ask. And so when we come back from our break, let's talk a little bit more. David Korzanowski is a broadcaster for Brown University, Holy Cross College, and Northeastern University. I mean, we're talking about baseball, basketball, field hockey, gymnastics, ice hockey, softball, swimming and diving, volleyball, water polo, wrestling for Division I schools, with games carried on ESPN+, Flow Sports, and Nesson. David Korsanowski is with us. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Wandering the road of desperate life. On behalf of Danny Yamashiro Ministries, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, weekdays at 6 p.m. on WEZE, and visiting drdanny.live for more resources. My dear friend, it is because of listeners and donors like you that we are able to spread the message of Jesus' love and bring hope to people like you, your family, and friends. Proverbs 11.25 says, He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Will you prayerfully consider donating to Danny Yamashiro Ministries so that we may continue to broadcast the gospel so believers will be built up and non-believers may form a relationship with Jesus Christ? Visit drdanny.live to make a financial contribution today. That's drdanny.live. And thank you again for supporting The Good Life with Dr. Danny. May God richly bless you with The Good Life.
You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. David Korsanowski is a play-by-play broadcaster in the Northeast in the spring and summer. He serves as broadcasting and media relations assistant for the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. It's a double-A affiliate of the Toronto Blue Jays. And in the fall, he's radio play-by-play voice for Brown University football in Providence. And in the winter, he serves in the same capacity for the Bears men's basketball team. He joins us today. You can find out more about David at davidkorsanowski.com. In what ways have becoming an Eagle Scout help you prepare for your career? I'm glad you asked that because I don't think... Outside of the church and my family, I don't think there was an organization where I learned more real life and leadership skills than Boy Scouts. Um, I was involved from the time that I was in Cub Scouts as a little boy all the way through my Eagle Scout project my sophomore year of high school. I think project management and organization are a couple of skills that jump into my mind, um, especially the Eagle Scout project. You know, the young the young man who's working on it has to basically take the lead on some form of service or addition to a community that takes a good amount of planning and, and fundraising. Um, so my project, I helped build two bookcases and I ran a book drive to basically construct, um, as I mentioned, the, the two bookcases and have children's books for the Pregnancy Help Office uh, in Boston to help young mothers who might not be able to afford, you know, young books for their young children um, so that they could come in and grab some of those and uh, have the resources for for young mothers. Um, So that that project, I learned a lot and was able to work on some of those skills. Also, just your interpersonal skills, leadership, the high adventure trips that I went on, um, like hiking and canoeing and camping. Uh, I worked with a lot of younger kids my age, and we had to build fires and hike and cook meals and plan and clean and uh, hike more and (laughs) do all of these high adventure trips. So I I learned a lot from Boy Scouts, and I think that all of those skills are things that I've taken into my individual life. When I'm working on a team and putting on a, a broadcast for, you know, say it's a soccer game, I'm... I'm communicating with the producer and the director and my broadcast partner and exhibiting a lot of those those same skills and practices. How did you develop such a breadth of sports knowledge? Well, the short answer is I would say yes to a lot of opportunities. So if there was a sport that I never called before, and even if I didn't know much about field hockey, for example, Um, if there was a opening for a field hockey game and it was a chance to broadcast and get on the air, I would say yes to that. And learning about those sports, I would talk to people who had expertise. So again, sticking with the field hockey example, my best friend from college, his twin sister played college field hockey at Middlebury, um, division three school that has now won, I think five straight national championships. So they're very good in their conference. And I hopped on a Zoom with her and said, hey, I'm new to this sport. Teach me everything that you know about field hockey. Teach it to me as if I'm six years old and I've never even been to a field hockey field. So 
those kinds of conversations and preparation helped me learn new sports. And then from there, it's about practice. So water polo, field hockey, women's lacrosse, swimming and diving, wrestling, rugby. These are all sports that I knew little to nothing about uh, years ago. But through broadcasting and having those opportunities and conversations with people who've played or coached the sport, I've been able to definitely expand the amount of sports that I know and also appreciate the athletes and the teams uh, who compete. Do you have a favorite sport? I do. Basketball. Why basketball? Basketball has always been my favorite sport to play and to watch. Um, I would always be outside shooting coops with my sister and my dad growing up. My dad was a season ticket holder for the Celtics in the 70s and the 80s when they won a lot of their championships. And it was a, a big part of my high school friend group as well. We played freshman basketball together in the winter of 2012 into 2013. And all of those uh, young men that I played with are still some of my closest friends to this day. So in that sense, I grew up with basketball and have always really liked it. And then from a broadcasting perspective, I love the pace of it. It's quick, but it's not too quick. Um, I love just the skill and the athleticism that's on display in a basketball game. And I think something about the momentum shifts in basketball are very unique to the sport where if you're at a Celtics game and the team goes on, you know, say a 20 to four run and they're making all these threes, the place just comes alive. And I, I find the same thing with college basketball too, where that flow and uh, rhythm of a basketball game, I think is really beautiful. There's a there's a flow with you and Dick Vitale in that love. <laughs> yeah. For the same Absolutely. Sport. That's one of the reasons I like him as well as uh we share that same passion. How important is preparation? It's crucial. It is maybe the most important. Uh that is I think the main reason why I am where I am today is just being well prepared for games. It's the same instinct where I would study for tests as a kid and my parents instilled that work ethic in me to prepare and control what you can control, right? When I show up to a stadium, I have no idea what's going to happen in the game that day. But making sure that I know all the players and their numbers and hometown and class year and what their stats are, those are all things that I can't control. And the more of that that I know, the better the broadcast will be. So especially with some bigger shows, like I talked about Notre Dame hockey or the interview with Marcus Freeman, the preparation there might be more than a, than a game that I'm doing in the middle of a week um, that's not as necessarily big or on a streaming platform with as many viewers. Um, so having that preparation and also talking with coaches before the game is very important too so that you get an ins insight into their team from the coach's perspective so they can tell you about what players are doing well and what players are struggling and for what reasons. So preparation is, is crucial. I mean, when, when I talk to people about my job, um, the way I describe it is I call games, but what I do throughout the week and during the day when the games aren't going is, is I'm preparing, I'm working on my research and my board charts uh, for those games when I, when I broadcast them. You are shaping history as you call the game people are going to watch it listen to it right does that ever strike you in a way that 
It could make me nervous, yes. I, I think, especially early on, when I was in college, say I was a freshman or a sophomore, these are the first times that I was broadcasting a game. It was on ESPN or available online. And I would see clips of the video um, posted on social media, like the Notre Dame women's soccer account would clip a call of one of my goals, post it on Twitter, and then it's being retweeted and shared. So moments like that, I'm like, whoa, my voice is, is going out there. I, I have a responsibility in this game. It is, it's multifaceted because some of it makes you nervous, at, especially at first. Oh, I don't want to screw up this call. I want to make sure it's perfect. I don't want to get the person's name wrong who scored the goal. I want to make sure that, you know, I'm not making any mistakes and doing the best that I can. And then the other side of it, too, is it's a great opportunity for you to share your voice and to get better. Not all my calls are going to be perfect. And I realized that quickly. And I know that, you know, professionals who are 20, 25 years ahead of me where I'm at and are calling some of the biggest games that you watch on your TV any given night, they're still making mistakes too. So uh, it does strike me the fact that, wow, this is uh, this is going out there to, you know, dozens or hundreds or sometimes thousands of people. But it's about remembering, okay, well, I don't have to overwhelm myself with that thought. It's just about working and making sure that I'm doing a good job and you continue to get better as those, as those clips are shared and your voice gets out there. Before we go to our break, thank you for describing the sense that you get. Explain the feeling, the distinction of feeling of Brown, of New Hampshire Fisher Cats, Notre Dame. Yeah. Describe the feeling. So whenever you go on the air, even now, there are times where right before that red light flashes or before you go on, you get the, the butterflies. You get a little bit nervous. And I think it's a good energy, right? It's, it's almost adrenaline that's coming to the surface of, okay, here we go. This is the game. We're into it. I'm ready to go. It's, it's almost like you get those pregame jitters as if you're an athlete as well. So I'll, I'll distinguish for a few of different the different schools that I've broadcasted at and how those uh, sports are maybe a bit different. So for Brown, I am broadcasting mainly on the radio. So it's on 790, the score AM radio, and they carry um, the Brown football and men's basketball games. So I do all of the home games there and it's a much more local audience, right? It's people who live in Rhode Island who are turning on the games on their radio dial. Um, our, our friend, John Daniel, who's a Brown football fan, he'll be able to tune in and listen as well. So I know that there are people who are invested in that school. The New Hampshire Fisher Cats, where I broadcast for the spring and the summer, that's minor league baseball. And it's a very uh, niche community where you have people who are invested in these prospects who are wake, working their way up to the major leagues. And those are going to be your hardcore baseball fans, right? So as opposed to a local community invested in Brown, these are really, really in-depth baseball fans or their family and friends of the players. So that's a different bit of an audience there and working and, and really specializing in baseball is something that I like about the Fisher cats job. Um, because you get to, I learned a ton about the sport this past six months, talking to the players and the coaches. And then for Notre Dame, those are, those games are often viewed around the country because Notre Dame is a, is a national brand. It's a school that has a lot of students from all 50 states so you might have people watching on the east coast you might have people 
who are hockey fans that are watching up in Wisconsin and Minnesota. So those games feel a little bit bigger, right? I'm wearing a full suit to those games. We're, we're on camera for some of those, whereas for minor league baseball, it's uh, it's more of a niche audience. So uh, regardless, I'm always nervous before, before that red light flashes, but it is cool, some of the variety that I get between those jobs. Some people say when they play football, they get these pregame jitters. Some people call them the butterflies. Right. And after the first hit, they say, well, it goes away. You're in the game. Oh, well, I'm wondering how, how Dave, uh, David Korzanowski, after that first call, right. man, it, it's, it's game on. Game on. Here, You're into here it. he is, David Korzanowski. You can find out more about him at davidkorzanowski.com. When we come back from our break, challenges, excitement, times for prayer, struggle, Maybe a time to reflect. You know, reflection is good. Reflection gives us that opportunity to push the pause button in life, to step back, to maybe get a bird's eye view of the situation. Maybe see things in a way that we hadn't seen before. Oh, how has God spoken to him in that way? Stay with us. We'll be back with more. Wandering the road of desperate life, aimlessly beneath the barren sky. Hi. This is Danny Yamashiro. A police officer found a girl crying on the sidewalk one day. What's wrong, he asked. I'm lost, she said. Do you have your parents' phone number, he asked. No, she said. What about your address? No, she began to sob. Suddenly, she stopped, and her eyes brightened. What happened, the officer asked. I remember, she said. There's a church near my house. And at the top of the church, there's a cross. Take me to the cross. Take me to the cross. Because when I see the cross, I'll be able to find my way home. My friend, if you feel like you've lost your way, turn to the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ, who died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. Will you turn to Jesus? Open your heart to Him and find your way home to God. On behalf of Danny Yamashiro Ministries, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, weekdays at 6 p.m. on WEZE, and visiting drdanny.live for more resources. My dear friend, it is because of listeners and donors like you that we are able to spread the message of Jesus' love and bring hope to people like you, your family, and friends. Proverbs 11.25 says, He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Will you prayerfully consider donating to Danny Yamashiro Ministries so that we may continue to broadcast the gospel so believers will be built up and non-believers may form a relationship with Jesus Christ? Visit drdanny.live to make a financial contribution today. That's drdanny.live. And thank you again for supporting The Good Life with Dr. Danny. May God richly bless you with The Good Life. Hi, this is Danny Yamashiro. Evangelism can be likened to an exquisite pearl necklace. In order for the necklace to be complete, each pearl is carefully strung on, one at a time. Only after the last pearl is strung will the clasp be attached. Most people are convinced that the apex of evangelism is in being that figurative clasp, leading someone to trust Christ. In reality, 
there would be no need for a clasp without any pearls being strung. Which is more important, the pearls or the clasp? They all are. Not everyone can be a clasp all the time, but in evangelism, you can always be a precious pearl. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience The Good Life today. So David Korsanowski serves fans. It's a niche. Fans and listeners as play-by-play voice of the Brown Bears football and men's basketball teams with radio broadcasts carried on AM 790 WPRV in Providence. He broadcasts the entire road schedule for the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, the AA affiliate of the Toronto Blue Jays. We are blessed today. Why? You say, Danny, why? Because we get to look behind the curtain of someone when he is on stage, as it were. He is creating history. And lives, people look back and think they remember the voice. David, in your career, how would you say the Lord has helped you in challenging times? I'm thinking because it's a good question, but I think he's helped me with the graces and with the people that he's infused and and put in my life. So there was a, there have been some times Honestly, since my graduation in 2020, when COVID hit, that work future was uncertain. There weren't a lot of sports going on at all, right? Because when COVID happened in the summer of 2020, minor league baseball shut down, a lot of college athletics shut down. But God continued to put opportunities and people in my life that reassured me that everything was going to be okay. And an example of that was the opportunity to go to grad school at Northwestern that I didn't initially foresee when I first graduated from Notre Dame. Uh, But that was an opportunity to continue to work and to grow as a sports broadcaster when there weren't a lot of sports going on. And I think even, you know, smaller examples or I guess blessings. But when I lived in Chicago, there was a beautiful church that was only a half a mile down the road. Um, called St. John Cantius that I would go to every week. And that was a place that I continued to practice and deepen my faith when I was in Chicago during what was a really uncertain time for all of us. So I think it's been those signs, big and small, when there have been challenging moments or periods in my life that I know that God is working and that I'm moving in the direction that he wants me to go. You touch on something that we don't always think about. God is working. God is moving when we can't right. feel it, when we can't see it. How did you discover that? Again, I think it's prayer and a conversation with God. Because 
I'm, I'm thinking as you ask those last couple questions, and it's not like, you know, a, a Saul into Paul moment where you're struck down off the horse and you hear Jesus talking to you, but it's the small, hey, here's this church, the, the, the Holy Spirit, right, who's working and, and, and telling you to pick up your rosary beads or go to Mass in the morning or pray when you're on the bus. Those are the ways that God is working and I think inviting you into a deeper conversation. Um, and I try to I try to do that more. That's honestly an area where I want to continue to grow as a as as I work in this career and you know become the man that God is calling me to be is to continue to to look for those signs, to pray and um, continue to to walk the path as you walk the path and you grow in your career and you work towards greater levels of excellence and greater levels of service a word of encouragement to someone today who may have hit a few bumps along the way yeah I think I go back to a, a conversation that I had with a priest when I was in high school, but small prayers. You might not know what to say or how to enter into prayer with God, but even something like, God, I love you, and I know that you love me, right? That's a, a small prayer, but it's taking a moment in your day when maybe you're overwhelmed or... There's this challenge in front of you that seems insurmountable. That seems like the whole, your whole world, your whole life is is in the balance, or you can't quite see the way forward. To take that moment to trust God, to express your love for Him, and He'll express the love for you. I would say, continue to pray, continue to hope, and. I know that a lot of people want to get somewhere else, whether it's a new job, they feel like the grass is greener on the other side. If I just if I just make this one change, then I'll be happy. But it's really about continuing to move forward. And even though you might want all your problems solved immediately, continuing to move forward and move in the right direction at God's pace and on God's time and just continue to have that trust in him um, are some of the things that I try to remember as well. As you have encouraged our dear listener today, will you say a, a prayer of blessing over them? Yeah. Dear Lord, for all the listeners who are struggling or maybe can't quite see the way forward right now, we pray that you watch over them and invite you invite them into a conversation with you that they know your love and that you know theirs and guide them and bless them this day and going forward amen 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 a man who knows what it's like to hit his own bumps but also to see the love of god and the grace of christ upon his life and as he has persevered as he is pursued from his early days, even going to a camp in Pennsylvania.
it turns out that he is able to produce moments like these. Bats it along for McLaughlin. Stastny there. Stastny works it out to the far side boards, puts on the brakes. McLaughlin's there, two on one, gets it out to Graham Slagger. Landed Slagger leading the rush the other way. Stastny to his left. Landed Slagger shoots, rebound chance. He puts it in. The overtime winner from Landon Slagger. And Notre Dame has beaten Minnesota for the first time this season. Well, those are the kind of things, David Korsanowski. These are spine-tingling moments. How is it for you? I I always love reliving some old calls because that was a that was a really fun game. And uh, thank you so much for for playing the clip. To to listen back is always strange because you're hearing your voice on the other side as a listener or viewer might. Um, it puts a smile on my face, and it makes me want to have more of those moments going forward. Shaping history. <laughs> That's the goal. Shaping history, David. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, thank you for sharing your heart with us. Thank, so meaningful. Thank you for having me. This has been such a blessing, and uh, I think God is working in his own way through us and through you and, and through your show. So thank you uh, for all that you do as well. Resounding words from David Korzanowski, davidkorzanowski.com. Dear one, God's timing is perfect, and uh, there's no better time than right now to share the love of Jesus with someone near you. And if you haven't done so, hey, I believe this is the perfect moment to open your heart to Christ. Go to drdanny.live for more resources to join our prayer team or partner with us financially. Again, drdanny.live, and I thank you in advance. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. It's always a blessing to be with you. Thank you to David Korsanowski, davidkorsanowski.com. Until next time, along with my producer, David Nasora, creative director, Brian Torres, web designer, Shana Kusumoto, and guest coordinator, Jan Yi. I'm Danny Yamashiro. Remember, the Lord is with you as you share the love of Jesus with someone today. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of The Good Life with Dr. Danny. We hope that today's program has been a blessing for you and that you may find hope in hearing how God's Word affects people from all walks of life. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is a listener-supported program, and we'd like for you to prayerfully consider becoming a sponsor or donor. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. That's drdanny.live. Be sure to tune in weekdays at 6 p.m. to hear The Good Life with Dr. Danny. Until next time, may God richly bless you with The Good Life.